All right, let's kick this off with a would you rather. Uh-oh. And it deals with the topic of the day. <laughs> would you rather have a friend that is amazing to you in your face but talks mad shit behind your back? Or have a really good friend that is a big-ass bitch to your face but you know where their heart is? That is so hard. <laughs> Both sound terrible in their own ways. Okay, do you know, did you find out, like, your friend that's really sweet to you and a wonderful friend in person is talking shit? Like, that's the whole point? Is Yeah, you, you know. know. You somehow know. Damn. I, I guess I'd probably take the person who's, like, bitchier in person, yeah. but, like, has good intentions. I would definitely take that. Because I, I feel like, like I, I won't have a, a nice phony-ass friend. friend. Especially if they're talking mad shit. Like, it's one thing, like, everybody talks a little something behind someone's sure. back just about situations. But, like, to be walking around just, like, ruining your name. Right. Hell no. <laughs> well, good thing you're just, like, un- you're the best of both of those oh, things. Oh, thanks. So I'm a bitch that also talks behind your... No, just no, <laughs> no you, your heart is in the right place and you're nice to my face. Yay! <laughs> so... Toxic friendships, as we probably know, are all too common. 84% of women and 75% of men report having a toxic friend at some point. That's a lot. I would assume 100%. Yeah. I I feel like... All the people you come across in life. There's toxic... Whether people know that they are toxic or not, or like... There might just be a week of toxicity and then yeah. it goes away. You know, it, it's. I think it also deals with like how, what someone's going through. There's yeah. a whole bunch of shit that goes around that. Yeah, that's real. So today we're going to be talking about toxicity in many varieties of, uh, of the, type, kind of form. Type, form. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but before we dive in, as always, write us a review, please. And don't forget to send us your questions for our upcoming Q&A segment. Remember, this can be about uh, anything pertaining to Misha and I's personal lives, our relationships with each other, our work lives, or lack thereof, or whatever. Like, just send us your questions, anything you've wanted to know, don't hold back. Yeah. This is Loud. And Louder. With with Holly and Misha. Misha. New segment alert. So this segment's called I Have a Confession. I'm excited. I haven't told Holly this because I was like, I should wait for the show to tell her this. But I have a long history on the show of talking shit about you and your microdosing of edibles. Yes, you do. Okay. She's always like, five milligrams? (laughs) I take 50. (laughs) And so like... I got some edibles, they were some gummies, and like I said before, I feel like usually if I'm having an edible, like I've also had a drink possibly, usually, or I've maybe have smoked also as well, and so like I'm already there. And you can't and so measure you're just when you're smoking. on top of that, yeah. right. And I took a five milligram, and I won't say that I was high as hell, but I definitely was You're high. high. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Thank I think you. also it doesn't, I think I just didn't realize like, Sometimes I don't realize when I, that I'm high. That's fair. It's, it's, until you're until like, put in certain situations. Yeah, yeah. Until like I was put like, into public. Yeah, or like <laughs> talking to someone or... So I was like, shit, she's right. And I've been talking mad smack all this time. I still can do 50 to 100 milligrams, don't get me wrong. Oh, God. But I guess I don't need that much. And that's great because now you can save so much money. Yeah, definitely. Just start small. Also, five milligrams on an empty stomach feels... To me, like yeah, 10 but or let's 20. be honest. When are our stomachs that empty? 
I feel like I always forget lunch. <laughs> or if I'm but going to a nice dinner, off. I like starve myself on oh accident. Oh my god. That, that's not an accident. No, it's not. It's not. Um, Don't but, starve ha, yourself, ha, ha. people. <laughs> I'm so glad that you came to this realization. I know. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> The word toxic can mean many things. To help break that down, we um, looked up some research and we pulled in the seven types of toxic people to watch out for. Should we give a definition of toxicity? I just thought about that. Maybe we should. You know what? That would be a part of us helping research. I literally had it pulled up before (laughs) this and then closed it out right before we started recording. (laughs) And I had to look up other words within that. Oh, yeah, the quality two. of being very harmful or unpleasant in her in a pervasive or insidious way. Yep. So not so being intentional or just in a way that it's still very effective. Yeah. Okay. Okay, hit us with number one. Number one is the conversational narcissist. Okay? So mm. have you ever been talking to someone who keeps interrupting you? Or like maybe I should revise it. Have you ever been talking to someone who won't let you get a word in? conversational narcissists love to talk about themselves or just hear themselves talk. They don't ask you any questions. They don't wait for your responses. They just won't shut the fuck up. (laughs) In a relationship, these people end up being completely self-centered and will never be attentive to your needs. So I sometimes talk way too much. Yeah, but you're not, but not in a narcissist. I feel like if if your narcissist is about anything, it's about Aaron. And he's not me. No, so, so it doesn't count. I mean, I think for me, it's usually um, like overexcitement mixed with anxiety. Yeah. So I don't want there to be any pauses. And especially if someone brings up something I'm really passionate about. Yeah. Or if they're not saying much. But you won't cut I them just, like, off oh. or like... Ideally, I don't think so. And no. I am very interested in other people. Yeah. So even if they're not saying much, I try to ask questions and it's usually very genuine Yeah. Like interest. I've definitely worked with people where I'm like... They're like, how was your weekend? I say something and like they don't even respond to what I say and just oh, like yeah. jump straight to them. Or and like, then I'm just like, okay. The worst is when someone asks you a question and before you've finished your answer, they cut you off to talk about their thing. Yeah, definitely. It's like, wh- why did you even ask? <sighs> Goodness gracious. Okay, number Next. two. This type of narcissist or toxic person, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> this type of toxic person is called. The straight jacket. Oh. So the straight jacket is someone who wants to control everything and everyone around them. Yikes. They want to be in charge of what you do, what you say, and even what you think. How? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, you Well, again, I'm thinking of cults and stuff. That's true. You know the person I'm talking about. They freak out when you disagree with them, and they won't stop trying to convince you that they are right. And that you should do what they say. Oof. Yeah, that's yeah. rough. Uh-huh. In a relationship, this person will give you no breathing room and will constantly nag you until you are in complete alignment with them. That sounds like your past yeah, relationship definitely. where you said you just like, like whatever, say whatever. <laughs> Be careful. These people will go after your emotional, conversational, and mental freedom until you have nothing left. Get out while you can. Yes. I don't know why I read that so dramatically, but it was fun. Yeah, because it's I about mean, a dramatic-ass person. And that doesn't have to be a romantic relationship. No. They're still very controlling friends. Yeah. I was probably this person in, like, elementary school. 
<laughs> try to like convert everyone to Jesus, Jesus and make them you. be no, good. You love Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could see that probably. Yeah. This is the next one is the emotional moocher. Hmm. So an emotional moocher is also known as a spiritual vampire. God damn, I wouldn't want to be this person. Because they tend to suck the positivity out of you or bleed you emotionally dry. These are the people who always have something sad, negative, or pessimistic to say. Conversations and relationships, they can never see the positive and tend to bring everyone down with them. And if you're with someone and they only have bad things to say whenever you see them, watch out. It might not get better. Those people are exhausting. Yeah, the Debbie Downers. And it's really it's just, frustrating. It's so the WWE. Like, do you remember that skit on Saturday Night Live? Yeah. Like, no matter what you say, she like would turn it to like doom and death. I mean, I definitely <laughs> feel like that sometimes in terms of like knowing facts about like the world. Yeah, and, yeah. and just like yeah, things like that. But when it, but I think this is more of a person who always brings it about them and their sadness and yeah. like how horrible their life is yeah. and how like how bad of a day they're having, and that just drives me nuts because it's like. Yeah, that happens to all of us. But, like, you don't have to sit in it yeah, and drown and it, in it. Yeah, it drives me nuts because I try to help. And it's, Same. So then you keep trying to talk them out, and they just keep going back to exactly what we started with. I'm like, okay, like, I don't want to give up on you, but say something. I'm giving <laughs> up on you. I'm thinking of a specific person. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, somebody at our job was like I won't, that. I won't say the name. Yeah. But it's tough because, like, our personalities are such that a way a that we want... That was sign language. You just did the work. I, <laughs> I spelled it with my fingers. <laughs> but, like, I, I just think we have the type of personality where, like, we want so badly to make people feel better. Right. And we want to spread, like, right. joy and, and energy. Right. And it usually... I think we're usually really good at it. Yeah. So when you meet someone who's just hopeless... It's rough. It's frustrating because you're like, wait, my magic isn't working? Because I don't mind being my friend's therapist at times. Oh, absolutely. I don't mind it because I feel like it helps me talk things out of my own head and like Mm -hmm. makes you discover things that you haven't thought about while helping somebody else. But yeah, you just keep going. Like, don't suck that shit out of me. Yeah. I need my spirituality. (laughs) I feel like you added an extra syllable. Because I was going to say spirits and I'm like, that didn't make sense. (laughs) Okay, number four is the drama magnet. Oh, God. Some toxic people are magnets for drama. Oh, ain't that for sure. (laughs) Something is always wrong. Always. Always. And of course, once a problem is solved, another one emerges. And they only want your empathy, sympathy, and support, but not your advice. That's so hard for me. Um, you offer help and solutions, but they never seem to want to fix anything. Instead, they complain and complain. In a relationship, drama magnets are victims and thrive in a crisis because it makes them feel important. If someone is a beacon for adversity, watch out. You might one day become part of the drama. Oh, you probably are always a part of some part of the <sighs> drama. I, I've always said, like, I, I could never date someone dramatic or who enjoys drama. Yeah. Like, would you say I enjoy drama? I enjoy, like, hearing From about... From a distance. <laughs> right. I mean, who doesn't? Like, I, I like, don't mind gossip. <laughs> but I think this is also someone who, like, gets you involved and, like, constantly... Oh, yeah, no. Like, or, like, you're your going energy. out and all of a sudden, like, they're getting into it with somebody for yeah, no fucking I don't, reason. Or... I don't... I do not want... I do not ever want to be around people where I'm, like, on edge thinking, like, are you going to start some shit? <laughs> Get ready for the bachelor. I know. I was just thinking uh, that. Honestly, we need a film crew for your bachelor oh, party. God. Because it will probably be entertaining as fuck. 
Oh my god, it definitely would. It's going to be like the real world of New Orleans 2.0. I think for the most part, we'll all really love each other and get along. Yeah, but once you involve a lot of people and a, a lot, lot of, of liquor. alcohol and... Yeah, again, a lot of people, and a lot of people were like, everybody knows each other, but doesn't like truly know each other. It's, I just, yeah. Let's be positive. Next. It's going to be fun, and I'm really excited for our room of people. <laughs> All right. Okay. So the next one is the JJ. Ooh. Oh, man, I know somebody named JJ. That's unfortunate. Yeah. But she's not this. So a JJ is a jealous, judgmental person. Oh. <laughs> Wait a, like, what was the point of that acronym? Why would we just say a jealous, judgmental person? It is a lot of syllables. The JJ. Okay, so my friends and I can spot a JJ when I say my friends, whoever wrote this article. Yep, yeah. plagiarizing, plagiarizing. Um, I can spot a JJ from a mile away, and this is how. Jealous people are incredibly toxic because they have so much self-hate that they can't be happy for anyone around them. Oh, yeah, mm. I know that. And typically their jealousy comes out as judgmental criticism or gossip according to them everyone else is awful uncool or lacking in some way yeah if someone starts to gossip jealousy about other people watch out this might be a toxic person and you never know what they say about you behind your back we always say like meanness among women often stems from insecurity for sure yeah i feel like i definitely at my core, have jealous, judgmental tendencies. Yeah, but thankfully, have worked on it. Over I think the years. everybody has hints of ju- like that's like a natural reaction to something. Like, there's no yeah. person that can wholeheartedly say like, I don't have one jealous thought ever. Right. Because to me, I mean, I guess does jealousy have to be negative, or can jealousy like can there be a good form of jealousy? We're like, I don't. I'm jealous, think but so. but I'm okay with myself, but. Man, I would like if you were on a trip. Like, is it bad that I'm jealous? Or like, that's, that's probably not je- different. right. That's not bad. Like, oh my god, I'm so jealous that you're in Cancun right now. It's it also doesn't mean like fuck my life. I hate me that I'm not in Cancun. <laughs> that's true, and I think this is different because it's like that fucking bitch does not deserve that vacation. Yeah. She never works. Right. And it's like well, I do don't say mind. sometimes about that on Facebook where I'm like, how the fuck are they on a beach <laughs> all the every time? day? Or like oh, yeah. people, where I'm like, how? How are you at a steakhouse? Every night on social media. How? You don't know their credit card statements. <laughs> That's true. There are plenty of people who look like they've got so much money and they are in debt galore. True. True to, true to that. True to that. <sighs> okay. So number six is the fibber. Uh, um, <laughs> the person who wrote this said they had a lot of liars in their life okay. before they learned human lie detection. Okay. Liars. Fibbers, exaggerators. It's exhausting to have a toxic deceiver in your life. Whether they tell little falsehoods or major lies, it's impossible to trust a liar in a relationship. Dishonesty drains us because we are constantly doubting their Mm. words. If your institution... What? If your intuition (laughs) is ringing alarm bells, then watch out. Get out before you're lied to. I mean, that's perfect from our last episode. (laughs) I know. We talked about that. Fibbers? (laughs) Misha just gave, like, puppy dog eyes. Yeah, I guess that's pretty toxic of a trait, though. I think it depends how often the fibbing is happening. Yeah, and if it's affecting anything or anyone. Right. Okay. All right, cool, cool. I'm not that bad. <laughs> All right, and last but not least, the tank. A tank crushes <laughs> everything in its wink. <laughs> A human tank is always right, doesn't take anyone else's feelings or ideas into account, and constantly puts himself first. In a relationship, tanks are incredibly arrogant and see their personal opinions as facts. Oh. 
This is because they often think they are the smartest person in the room, so they see every conversation in person as a challenge that must be won. Oh, over. I hate They rarely this. see others as equals, and this can be challenging. So, sorry, see others as equals, and this can be challenging when trying to form a loving connection. If you feel your ideas are being run over or you are not being re- represented, respected, get out while you still can. Whitney was just talking about one of his regulars being, like, he was doing that last night, where it's just like, he always has something that, like, one-ups. Everything right. you say, there's like a one-up and a one-up. And it's they like, always have to, yeah, they're always right, and they always so have to annoying. prove what they know. It's funny because I thought of two different people during this section, and they're actually extremely different people. Really? But I think they do. I think one of them is a naturally very aggressive person. Yeah. Who, like, actually just firmly 100% believes they're right no matter what. Yeah. The other person has insecurities and tries to overcompensate yeah. by showing that they know so much and that they're so intelligent and they know more than you. Are both of them female? No, they're both male. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. I'll tell you after the mic, so. Okay. Or you can, right you when can, I tell you, you, you do your letters. <laughs> their, their, their names are more letters. <laughs> All right. So how do we deal with this? Right. Like there's because these people are going to cross paths in your life. Whether yeah. you let them stay or not is right. up well, to you. And, and sometimes if it's family right. or you're in a workplace or, or a long and, lasting and you don't want to leave the job or completely cut off a family member, then yeah. you have to just like work with this. Yeah. So if you have someone in your life whom you dread seeing, who doesn't respect your opinions or who makes you feel bad about yourself in any way, then you need Ooh. to just say no. Yikes. Okay. Yeah. I'm thinking of, uh, <sighs> some family. <laughs> so, okay. These are other things. Like, do you feel that you have to constantly save this person and fix their problems. Ooh. Or you are covering up or hiding for them. Oh. Hmm. Or you dread seeing them, like we said. You feel drained after being with them. You get angry, sad, or depressed when you are around them. They cause you to gossip or be mean. Ooh. They feel you. <laughs> they feel you have to impress them. You're affected by their drama or problems. They ignore your needs and don't hear no. What the f- and lastly, you deserve to have wonderful, supportive, and loving people in your life. In fact, life is too short to spend time with people who don't help you to be your best self. That's yeah, true. Yeah. I hope you will use this article as your immunization against toxic people. <sighs> wow. It also makes me check myself of like, I want to make sure I don't have yeah, any like toxic Yeah, like what traits. toxic traits am I projecting? It's impossible to be a perfect friend or a no. perfect family member. Yeah. But I feel like in general, we're pretty healthy. I think so too. Right? Yeah. Someone's like, Unless we're both toxic yeah, and people are listening each other. Like, They're the most toxic people in my life. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we listen to them. They're crazy. <laughs> Time for Misha's ridiculous news of the day. Yeah. This one's a little, uh, it's definitely ridiculous in a morbid way. Okay. So a man's body was found in Barcelona. Okay. In a dinosaur statue. Oh. A hollow dinosaur statue. Oh no, did a child find him? <laughs> that would be awful. He fell inside it apparently while trying to retrieve his cell phone. <gasps> and then a man and his son noticed a smell coming from the <gasps> figure. And he was, his body was spotted through the crack in the stegosaurus flag. Oh my god! Wait, I'm confused. Is this like a ginormous statue? Yeah, it's pretty big. 
Oh, wow. It's a big statue. So he fell through the top of I it? I guess so. Sounds like some funny business Sounds to me. like he's not sober. <laughs> or smart. That is R. so R. confusing. <laughs> I mean, what a terrible death. Because that just means like... What, did he die from starvation in there? Oh my god. No, no, no way. Because if it's a dinosaur statue, people definitely visit it, take pictures. You could like scream and get help. They he probably landed on his head or they something. They can't confirm. They have not been able to confirm how he died or how he came to be inside the statue. It just says that he had become trapped upside down after falling into the hollow oh statue my. while trying to reach a phone he had dropped inside. Yeah, like the leg is basically like... A vertical tomb. That's it, terrifying. Like, what were you doing where you dropped your phone in there? He had to have been on some stuff. Or at least very drunk. That's but that's sad. Talk about Jurassic Park. Yikes. What? Death by dinosaur for the first time in millions of years. <sighs> that's unfortunate. Yeah. Well, that was today's ridiculous news. And boy, was it ridiculous. <laughs> We feel it is important, while talking about toxicity, to mention toxic masculinity. Yes. So toxic masculinity involves cultural pressures for men to behave in a certain way. And it's likely this affects all boys and men in some fashion. Toxic masculinity refers to the notion that some people's idea of manliness perpetuates domination, homophobia, and aggression. Mm -hmm. This idea that men need to act tough and avoid showing all emotions can be harmful to their mental health and can have serious consequences for society, which is how it became known as toxic masculinity. Yeah. I mean, I feel like a lot of barriers are being broken when it comes to both male and female or gender roles and norms. Definitely. But toxic masculinity is still very, very prevalent. Yeah. Very prevalent. Um, so here's a couple of stats that we found. Uh, one out of five men die before the age of 50, and many of the leading causes of deaths in the Americas, including heart disease, interpersonal violence, and road accidents, are directly related to socially constructed macho behaviors. Makes sense. Like, that's crazy. That, like, that's causing... A- it's literally killing men faster than women. That's nuts. <laughs> so, also, the life expectancy for men in the Americas is 5.8 years below that of women. Yeah. And they're blaming a lot of that on this toxic masculinity problem. That's really interesting. Yeah. And, and like, I don't know how to take that in. Like, it makes sense, but it's like... Because women stress about shit, too. Well, and I feel like anxiety is... I could be wrong, but I believe I saw that it's more common in women. Right. And, like, also, what does labor do to your body over time? (laughs) I don't know. I feel like that's a lot of harmful trauma. But, yeah, it's crazy. Okay, so according to this report, the gender roles, norms, and practices socially imposed on men reinforce a lack of self-care and neglect of their own physical and mental health. This concept of masculinity or machismo um, leads to three overarching risks. Number one, risk to women and children in the form of violence, sexually transmitted infections, and lack of shared responsibility of the home. Number two, risk to other men, such as accidents, homicides, and other violence. And number three, risk to self, such as suicide, accidents, alcoholism, and other addictions. Yeah, so we... I didn't include this in here, but that same article showed that there are much higher rates of homicides, suicides, 
and addiction among men than women. Huh. So this article is saying that research is showing a lot of that is because of the culture. There's a correlation. You know, like, we even talked about, you know, men not putting down their pride. Right. And, and you know, doing something ridiculous or yeah. risky or, yeah. yeah, just not seeking, like the article said, not seeking... Um, help for emotional or physical ailments. Right. I mean, we talked about that in our health episode about yeah. how men are less likely to get either literally go, going to their regular appointment for doctors or like therapy. It's just this yeah. whole like, I can take care of myself. But like, then, right. I'm then not it also is saying that they lack, lack self care action. So we got to figure this out. Yeah, I f- so- and again, I feel like it is evolving. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there's way more. Like, there, well, I can't say that because that's, like, not a fact in my head. But in my opinion, <laughs> I feel like there are more men that are kind of coming more in the in-between of femininity and sure. masculinity. Just like women, too. Like, there's a huge um, spectrum yeah. between. I think also it very much depends on where you're located in the community around you. Yeah. Because there are definitely certain households or communities that will Steer you still away. tell boys, like, don't cry, don't show weakness, you don't need anybody, you don't right. need anything. Right. Whereas, like, especially, you know, in, I think, yeah, in other communities, people are now encouraging men more and more to seek help and be more honest about their emotions and how yeah. they're feeling. And yeah. That's obviously very important because these stats don't lie. Yeah, it's crazy. Cute. Also, we just have to bring this up real quick. With toxic masculinity, the first thing that came into my mind is there's just this really controversial debate that I keep seeing on social media about men wearing, I'm not even going to say women's clothing, I'm going to say skirts, dresses, heels, whatever. Because in history, men have worn all of those things for a variety of reasons. It's just that clothes and their meaning and trends change yes societal norms so it's like who actually cares like who decided that you know um a skirt should only be worn by people with vaginas right like what does that actually matter and i mean the fact we're wearing pants yeah oh yeah (laughs) i mean women for so long were not supposed to wear pants and that was like disgusting and inappropriate and like you're being overly sexual but it's also interesting too because like i'm totally open for wear whatever you want to wear but i'm not gonna lie if when he walked out like all right let's go out and he walked out in a dress i don't know i don't know and that's that's my preference that's my preference for who i am dating i would go far enough though to say that we've been inundated by our own culture yeah I mean, growing up, I would have been like, ew, a right. boy in a dress? What's right. wrong with you? Or even like nail polish. Like, I yeah. feel like, I remember guys, like, guys that were in a certain type of group in, in high school would wear nail polish, and we were just like, what? That's so weird. Right, and it's like, but why? Like, why do we determine that all of these types of things are feminine in our culture? And, you know, it's literally just like, trends in fashion evolve yeah. and change over time, but... I think the way you think and the way you're taught as you grow up really sticks with you. And I'm trying so hard to unlearn some yeah. things. Yeah. One thing that I was like really proud of my older sister for, I 
always have this moment where I'm like, did I say this on the podcast before? <laughs> but whatever. People jump around anyway. Um, my older sister, who, like, is, um, you know, very religious. Like, her Christian faith is very important yeah, to her. Yeah, she's conservative. And, yeah, I think she's definitely more moderate politically than a lot of my family. Uh-huh. But um, she has three sons. And I remember a few years ago... The um, the oldest when he was like I think he started doing this when he was like four or five and then of course the younger one wanted to copy right um, and the littlest one wasn't born yet at this point he asked his mom if he could paint his nails because she always painted her nails right and he thought it looked so cool right and especially when you're a child I think you think less about what's meant for boys and girls right you just like what you like totally and so she was like yeah sure what color do you want and he wanted like a bunch of mixed match and then like he wanted his nails painted more than once and she always did it. Yeah. And I was surprised, but I was so happy. And, you know, for her and her beliefs, like, my dad was like, what the crap? Like, why did you paint their nails? Like, get that off of them. And she's like, what what does this matter? Like, they just love colors and they want colors on their fingers. And she said, she's like, God created all colors and, and God created, like, Femininity and masculinity. So who's to say like how does she feel about homosexuality? (gasps) See, like what the? (laughs) I know, I know. (laughs) I mean, that also reminds me. You know that show? What would you do? Yes, I loved watching that. Me too. And there was one where this was. It was a boy who was in a toy store, and they wanted a doll. Mm. And so, like, a woman was in there, like, hackling them. Like, why are you? Why would you want a doll? Like, you're a boy. You should get like a truck. And it shows like how people interact. Was it the person playing the kid's mom? No, I think they switched. I think one was like the dad. And then one was someone hackling, like, or I think one was the dad, and one was like the one checking them out. Oh, no. Yeah, and so they're saying things. And it's interesting because I think it's also, I feel like parents fear for their kids a lot about a lot of different things. You know, like I feel like even with like homosexuality, I think that there's a majority of parents where they would just prefer that they weren't because of what they'll have to go through because they are, not because they care about what their preference is. Sure. And so, you know, a kid wanting to be a princess for Halloween and going to school, it's like there's... There's a fine line of like letting the do that, do that, and it's great, or letting them do that, and then they're bullied. Right. So it's I don't know how I like I do think that I'm going to be open minded with things, yeah. but like you always have to think in the back of their head how are they going to be treated, especially at an age where you have more ways to protect them than when they're an right. adult. It's it's tricky. I think in the end, like really like for that situation specifically having a really open honest relationship with their teachers totally is super important what was that that was on something it was either on a tv show or something where the teacher the boy dressed up as a girl i think the it was a movie i think and the boy dressed up as like this princess that he loved oh you told me about this yeah and then the girl and then so the teacher knew that he was coming like that so she dressed up as like a historical male person a male oh, like historical guy and so she like she gave this whole spiel like I'm not a man, but I can dress however I want to. And, like, it kind of opened up, like, the kids Aww. being more welcoming to the little boy doing it. Aww. So, yeah, that's a, that's great. But, like, if you don't have that and you right. have a teacher that is just as toxic as society. Yeah. It's tough. I think it's also, like, being honest with the kid. Yeah. But in the end, that mentality of wanting to stop the behavior to protect them. Yeah. Is 
going to prevent it's change. Hindering, yeah. And like, even though it sucks, but like people have to go through pain to create larger change. Yeah. Or honestly, even just change in one person. Like so changing... do you think it would depend on your kid's personality? Like if you had a kid, like if you had two mm-hmm. kids and one was like very shy, very timid, didn't have many friends. And one was like bold as hell, outspoken. Like, would you treat it the same way because you knew, think that one could handle it better than the other? Or I do think, you just do the same? I think I would let them do what they're more comfortable with, but I would be super honest and say, I just want to let you know, People are kids, say some kids might say some really yeah. mean things. Yeah. Are you ready for that? Yeah. Or do you want to start with one small thing? Like, how about we paint your nails? Right. We'll see how you feel about it. And maybe next week you can wear a dress right. or, you know, I think it does have to be case by case Yeah. because yeah, you don't want them to be totally destroyed. Right. But at the same time, you don't want to suppress it. Exactly. I'm also just like, it's, it's just like so sad when these kinds of kids are born to people not like you and I, right. who are born into families that are bullying them at home yeah. and belittling them at home. And like their home isn't even a safe space. Like that's yeah. so sad to me. Yeah. Like in the end, what what the fuck does it matter? Right. What they wear. It's all I just about don't them get being it. safe and happy. Just, yeah. yeah. That's the main priority. So. so so with that was this whole Candace Owens Ugh. Harry Styles thing. Talk about toxicity. She's the definition of toxicity. We could do a whole part two Candace about Owens, Candace Owens. Fuck you. If you like her, um, check yourself. <laughs> also, you're probably white. Yeah. Just saying. So yeah, I feel like she's often a weapon used by white people. Well, a specific white type of white person. Yes. For sure. But anyways, she had the audacity to, I think it was a tweet, to share, like, Harry Styles wore um, a variety of things on the cover of, I think it was Vogue. He wore a dress specifically on and the cover. And on one of them, yeah, he's wearing, like, a big, like, flowy gown. Yeah. And she had this whole thing about how uh well the phrase um make men manly again yeah and also about how like this this feminine femininity amongst men is ruining our country and ruining western culture and it's it's not an accident like it's a conspiracy it's, it's an to attack, take down the western culture which is like what what'd she say specifically you don't see this in china and middle yeah, east yeah she's like you don't see this in the east I'm like, what are you talking about? And she was being really offensive and she and then she tried to explain herself further and was like, it's totally fine if guys do that. Like you can wear what you want. I just think it's perverse. Yeah. It's like what? <laughs> right. So it's totally She's fine. Like, I don't find it attractive. I'm like, who gives a shit if you find it attractive? Yeah, and she kept saying, like, it's she's like, I'm not attracted to it. Women aren't attracted to it. It's like, okay, so you only can dress in a way that is like attractive, attractive to, and sexy to people. Right. Because let's flip that around. You're telling women right. that they have to be sexy to men all the time. Right. Like, I'm sorry. Just that whole argument is disgusting and just wrong. shut the fuck up. And then me. everyone attacked her and she tried to pretend like she loves Harry Styles and it was just a big misunderstanding. Yeah. She's like, I wasn't talking specifically about him. I'm just Even talking about men wearing dresses. Even though she reposted his picture. Dresses. Like, shut the fuck up. Uh, I can't stand her. Cancel Candace. <laughs> I'm gonna start posting that. Hashtag cancel toxicity. Hashtag cancel, cancel Candace. Candace. <laughs> start that. <laughs> All right. So now that we've talked about other people being toxic to others, society being toxic for masculine people, 
Masculine. Yes, masculine. we get it. Yeah, we get you're it. right. <laughs> now we're going to talk about how you can be toxic to yourself. Oh, shit. Yeah. Get ready, okay? So, what is toxic self-criticism? Hmm. I'll tell you. <laughs> it's a little voice in your head chattering away in your head. Oh. What? That was a stupid sentence. I apologize. <laughs> um, filling you with self-doubt. Perhaps it says you're not good enough. You'll mm. never be able to do this, etc. If you can channel those toxic thoughts into constructive self-criticism, which we will get into it next, it'll make a huge difference. So here's how to overcome these toxic self-criticisms that you're hearing in your head. Wow. Okay, number one. Pay attention to your thoughts. We're so used to hearing our own thoughts that it's easy to become oblivious yeah. to the message we're sending ourselves. So true. Yep. Pay close attention and you may discover that you have toxic thoughts about yourself. Don't let them drag you down. Oof, I've had a lot That's of toxic real. self-criticism in my head this week. from With this starting your new, jo- and job. new job. Yes. But I had to like jump out and stop. You know you're capable. You are just your biggest obstacle. I'm definitely having... Um, Imposter syndrome, for sure. Because mm. everybody keeps telling me that. And I know that, but I also am like, is everybody just telling me that? Because they don't want to <laughs> oh, be shit. like, you're horrible for this. No. What are you doing? <laughs> so, also, like, there's that fine line between thinking like that and self-sabotage. Yeah, that's true. Whew. All right. Number two. Replace the negative thoughts with realistic statements. So those negative toxic thoughts are not always true, are they? Like, you're not good enough. That statement alone is not true. First of all, what the fuck does that even mean? You're not good enough for what? To be alive? You're not, that, Like, unless you're murdering and raping people, like, (laughs) you deserve to exist and... If you're attempting to murder people, though, you're fine. <laughs> All right, it's not that black and white. I admit, but but yeah, like when people think I'm not good enough, I guess it could be for certain job positions. Yeah. Oh, when you're like, I'm not good enough for these friends or yeah. this person. But like, just trust that the people hanging out with you want to hang out with you, or they wouldn't have to. Like, unless unless they can't get rid of you because you're toxic. But. People can always find a way to not hang out. Like, there are plenty of excuses and things that they could make up. That's very true. Um, So I think you just have to trust that, like, every person has strengths. Every person brings something good to the table. Yeah. So number three, train your brain to think differently. Your mind can be your best friend or your worst enemy. True that. It's important to train it well. Always listen to your thoughts and channel them in the right way. It's kind of like how... um, People say, like, don't use negative when you're talking, like, when you're doing self-talk. Like, instead of saying, like, oh. I can't do this, you flip it so that it's not, because it's almost like what you speak about, mm. you bring about. Like, so what you say and think of, oh. you 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 manifest Or, like, that. me saying, like, I talk too much in social settings. Yeah. Saying, I'm really good at coming up with conversation. Yeah. I just need to tone it down a little. Exactly. That is so true. I always do the negative. You do. I think... You definitely do. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Switch it up, baby. Mind blown. (laughs) All right, so let's get into this constructive self-criticism versus what we just talked about, which was toxic Mm self-criticism. So imagine the two ways you criticize yourself is two figures standing on your shoulders. One is bad. Very, very bad. Okay. The other one, though, is really good for you. Helps you make the right choices and the tough choices. That one is the constructive self-criticism. Okay. So it's like the devil and angel. Exactly. So, number one, only criticize specific 
changeable behaviors. Ooh. I think that's really good. So people who blame themselves for negative events are more likely to be depressed. Constructive self-criticism, by contrast, involves a more optimistic approach to these negative events with a focus on specific, modifiable areas in need of improvement. For example, you stayed up late watching Netflix while you could have been working on a project. So rather than punishing yourself by feeling guilty, set up a time limit for the next time you start binge watching your favorite TV show. Yeah, I guess like self-loathing or self-hate just wastes time. Like just get to how to improve whatever you're frustrated with about yourself. Yeah, and I think that especially things that you cannot like, you cannot change. Like there's a difference with something you can't control and then once it's happened you cannot change. Like. Just move forward right. and figure out what your next move is. Don't dwell on the shit that went wrong because you can yeah. change it. Which this is a little bit off topic, but that also makes me think of your body and like it, you know, like you can't change the size of your nose right. or the size of your boobs or how tall you are. Yeah. I mean, some people can with surgery and lots of money, right. but in general, I feel like, like a lot of people do criticize themselves physically a lot. Yeah. And it's just like, you got to learn to twist it in a positive way yeah. <laughs> or at least accept it. At least be like not positive or negative, yeah, you know, exactly. it just is what it is. Yeah. So number two, if it's out of your control, it's pointless punishing yourself for it. So oh, wow. We're ahead we're, of it. We're good. Because I haven't even read all this. If you can't change the circumstances surrounding a negative event, it's absolutely pointless even thinking about it. Mm-hmm. It will leave you with stress you don't deserve, which is the worst kind of stress. Oh, yes. All you have to do is just let it go. Can you do something to fix it? If the answer is yes, then you'll fix the problem and all will be well. No need to think about it and and stress yourself out with negative thoughts. If the answer is no, then it's exactly the same. No need to think about it and stress yourself out with negative thoughts. If it's within your control, you'll fix it. If it's not, you won't. Punishing yourself down with negative self-talk will only hurt you in the long run. Yeah, I, I find that like... Punishing self-talk yeah. is just crippling. Yeah. Like, I'm less likely to even fix it or and fix it as quickly. And you keep going down and down that rabbit, yeah. rabbit hole till you're like, okay, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> right. Whereas, like, if you can stay away from that that self-talk, you're faster to get to the solution anyway. It is interesting when go. you think about, like, would you let your friend talk to themselves I like know. that? So, yeah. like, why would you let yourself talk to yourself like that? Right. Or would you even would you even talk to anyone like that out loud? Yeah. No. No. And the last tip that we have is practice self-compassionate self-criticism. So self-compassion is like a parachute that allows you to glide safely down into the parts of yourself you're afraid to look at. It means saying, yes, I messed up, but it doesn't make me a horrible person. This makes me a person who has strengths and weaknesses and room to improve. That. That's similar to what we were saying before, too. If you truly believe this, taking a closer look at those weaknesses won't be scary. It'll be necessary. You work Mm. every single day to become the strongest version of yourself. Mm -hmm. So growing stronger is about accumulating wisdom, learning from your mistakes, and inspiring others to become the strongest version of themselves, too. Yeah. I remember one of the corniest things that Whitney said to me in the beginning, but it, it was really sweet. He's just like, what did he say? There's wins... And there's lessons. There's not losses. There's lessons. Aww. Because even if you lose, there's a lesson to learn from that. And That's I was true. like, you're such a self-help book. I love you. Wins and lessons. Yes. I love that. Yeah. So use the W and L for wins and lessons because it really is about that. Like, true. if you continue to... Now, if you, keep, if you keep doing the same shit over and over again, still have compassion for yourself, but, like, start to realize that you're doing Try this something to yourself. New. Yeah. Seek help. Yeah. But regardless, if you're working to just make a different 
a better situation within yourself, like, you're doing great. Well, and I like that this also isn't so fluffy that it's like, don't ever be hard on yourself. It's saying like, hey, if you mess up, acknowledge it. Yeah. But use that aware self-awareness to promote change. Yeah. Because there are also, I think, some mindsets that go too far in the other direction. Like, yeah. so much self-love that you never recognize, like, problems, or you don't take responsibility well, for Well, there were even those, or, or pushing so much self-love on others. Like, that was an ar- the article that I didn't really bring stuff from, but I remember when I was looking for things for this episode, it was saying that, like, stop telling someone to love themselves. And, like, I remember when I was, you know, un- in a, un- that unhappily relationship, where people were like, "Well, you can't love your, you can't love someone else until you love yourself," and I'm like, "I, I do love myself. Like, stop right. telling me to love myself. Like, don't ex- assume that I don't love myself." And also, like, that's very, um, what's the word? On, uh, you're just not, you're not considering the person's thoughts sometimes when you say things right. like that. Because it's not that easy. It's not just yeah, easy to be like, just love yourself. That's it. Like, no, there's more to that. But I like yeah. these tips. I think these tips are way more helpful and beneficial because they're, like, yeah. actionable things. Right. And it's tough. It's tough to train the way you think. Totally. It is a constant practice. Yep. But it's it's doable, and I think these are great points. Yep. Totally worth it. I need some work. We all do. That's yeah. the point of life. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to our episode about toxicity. Yeah, yeah. And we're keeping this segment where before we end, we talk about today's obsession. Yes. It can be good or it can be bad. What's on your mind, Nisha? My obsession right now is on Sunday, Whitney and I went to go meet with the pastor who's officiating our wedding, and I'm, uh-huh. I'm obsessed with him. He <laughs> he was just great. Like, we went out for lunch. He invited us for lunch. He he paid for it, too, which I was Ooh. like, are you allowed to do that? Can pastors expense things, or was that out of the kindness of his heart? I don't know. I don't either. Probably the kindness of his heart. Wow, that's really nice, especially because pastors don't make that much money, right? I guess it depends on the church. Mm-hmm. Wait, is this the pastor that you've known and grown up with, or someone No, different? so it's the pastor that replaced the pastor that I knew and grew up with, because he passed, like, well, he had left and retired. Okay. Then we had an in- interim, and now this guy's been there oh, for a while. Oh, okay, okay. Um, but it was just so funny. We went to, like, Maya del Sol, which is this really cool, like, Latin fusion spot. Their patio is, like, an oasis. It's If anybody lives around Oak Park, go there. It's on Oak Park Avenue. And I was like, my first thought, because at 1.15, I'm like, so can I have a drink? And as soon as we sat down, he's like, so don't don't judge me, but I'm definitely about to have a beer right now. I'm like, sweet, I'm about to have a Bloody Mary. And he's like, never mind, I have a Bloody Mary. And that man had three drinks while we were there. <laughs> and it was just great. It was great conversation. Like, he had questions for us about our relationship and about our marriage and just, like, hearing Whitney's answers and thinking about it for myself. Like, it was just great. Wait, so was that... Is, is he doing your premarital counseling? Yes. And he's your officiant? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so, so this was, was like, like the intro. Yeah. So we had an intro on Zoom, and then he gave us the questions to like look over. Oh, and then, so your first session was over lunch? Yeah. And alcohol? Right? That's so it cool. It was so good. It was like, I mean, we talked about everything. It was was like, it like helpful? Yeah, I good. think so. I mean, and it really helped. With, I mean, we already knew how like we're good, but like it just solidifies right. like... Like, in the past, I could tell, too. Like, again, this is me thinking that people just say what they what you want to hear. Like, because would he really tell a couple, like, I don't know if this is going to work, guys. Oh, when we got premarital counseling, he started with that. He's like, I view it as 
it's my job to break you up if I don't think you should get married. Oh, shit. We're like, okay. And like, by, by the end of the first session, he was like, you have such a healthy, beautiful relationship. Yeah. I hope you have children because I think you would really raise great humans. Yeah. Like, oh, thank God, we passed yeah. the test. He, but I he, also appreciated the bluntness. Yeah. Because then you're not wondering, like, yeah, is it just... We, we definitely passed, so it was How good. How old is that, Pastor? He, I think he's close to my age. Oh, okay, so he's young. Yeah. Okay, cool. And they, they're, like, having a baby and... It's, yeah, that he's really sweet. And also, another thing I'm obsessed about with him is he's from South. His his dad was also a pastor, and he's all about social injustice. And he's like, he didn't know if he wanted to be a pastor, and he went into it because he wanted to spread the word not o- only for you know Christianity, but also to like change minds about wow. social injustice, which is That's awesome. Beautiful. So we like talked about Martin Luther King's speech. I'm just like. All right, I like this guy. That's pretty. I like awesome. just make sure you're funny at the ceremony. He's like, I gotcha. It's like cool. Yeah, don't bore us to death. Fuck no. I mean, frick no. <laughs> I've never heard you say frick. I'm talking about the pastor. I feel like I shouldn't say that word. If anything, you would make fun of me for saying frick. Frick no. That's hilarious. <laughs> All right, what are you obsessed about? Um, I really want to get a job at a brewery. I've decided yeah. that if I only want to work part time. The best way to make money for the amount of time I'm working is to be like a server or a bartender or something like that. Yeah. But I'm stressed just thinking about it because I used to serve brunch and it scarred me. <laughs> so I think I actually walked past. Is the place that you used to be at by Navy Pier? There are a Canelli? bunch of yeah, oh. yeah. But that's the one that I predominantly worked at. Oh, I walked past Canelli, the other day. Yeah. But and it, of course it wasn't all bad, but like there was a lot of bad and. Then a friend who works at a brewery and Aaron were talking and they were like, why don't you try to bartend at a brewery? Because right. you're literally just pouring beers all day. Right. And the more I thought about it, the more I was like, that's great because a lot of bar settings are really bad. I mean, sometimes dangerous for women because you literally have like, you're surrounded by drunk men. So are, wait, so breweries don't make cocktails? Because I feel like any brewery Some I've been to, do. it's cocktails. The ones that I'm looking at, I don't think do. Okay. Um, like I love Mars. Yeah. Oh, so great. And I just I view breweries as being like the most chill version of bars. Yeah. Do people still come and get wasted? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. But a lot of I feel like a lot less. Like it's a lot less I don't know, it just feels more chill. Yeah. Like Well it's like it's like going to a lounge versus a club. It's yeah. Just more laid back. It feels like people that. are there to socialize and really enjoy the drinks. They're not just there to get fucked up. Yeah. And I think you'd be great at that. Thank you. I would love it. So it's like the beautiful balance of I get to be around a lot of people. I'm yeah. in the service industry. But it's not, like you said, a nightclub where like maybe men are being really gross yeah. or bitches are complaining it's not strong enough. Yeah. The drink's not strong enough or whatever. So I called Mars and they're not really hiring right now, but they plan on it in a couple of months. But I also want to call Goose Island because I heard that they pay really well. Nice. But then I'm like, well, that could be really hard to get into. <laughs> yeah. There's a Goose Island smaller tap room that's like an eight-minute walk from me, and nice. that would also just be great since we're a one-car household. Yeah. So I'm going to call them later tonight and just ask them over the phone first if they're hiring at all. Nice. Go from there. But hopefully in the next month or two, I'll be announcing that I have a job. Because we're also getting down to the deadline yeah, for unemployment. You, yeah, it's about to be up. In September. Yep. And I don't want to wait too long because I feel like a lot of people are going to scramble last yeah. minute. And a lot of people, uh, especially industry, everybody's hiring and looking for people right now. That's like what I thought. Everybody. So, yeah. 
If anyone knows of some really great breweries that are hiring, hit her up. up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that's our episode. Until next week. This is Loud and Louder with, with Holly and Misha. And Misha.